So it's, yeah, it's a combination of the technical things to improve conversions, but also making sure your, your messaging is on point as well. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 15. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Another week, another episode. Yay, here we are again. Here we are again. What I really liked about last week, and just looking back on it, was we talked about focusing on just a few things and getting them right. Yeah. One of the things that really allows you to do, which I think is really exciting, is it allows you to get really, really good at something so that you can systemize it. That's right. Now, for <laughs> dear listener, this is an interesting debate that's gone on in the office recently, as one day during our Monday meeting, Kennedy said the word, systematize <laughs> which which my entire life <laughs> his entire his entire life has been using the word systematize which i genuinely thought was a real word so he says this the ceo of an internet company yeah. and then what happens is all of the rest of us in the office looked at each other and sort of shook our heads in disbelief. As if to say, are minute. you going to tell him? Shall you t- will you tell him? And I told him. I said, <laughs> I don't think the word is systematized. It's systemized. And he said, is it? <laughs> and that tone of voice. And so ever since then, we've, we've been re- redefining the English language here at the Response Suite office. We've been using words like automatize. Yes. And we've been using, surveyatize. Surveyatize. Sponsorize. Optimatize. So we'd like to hear your favorite amatized word <laughs> yes. via social media this would be brilliant on twitter or uh, how else can you do it facebook you could you can you just look for response suite and send us your favorite amatized word <laughs> it's like that game where you have to like take any film title and replace a word with the word whiteboard or something. <laughs> yes, yes it's usually a dirtier word it's usually a much filthier word so it's gonna be a t- we want to know what your favorite matizers are yeah anyway let's get on with the podcast amatized <laughs> yes <laughs> stop it okay so now that we're recording this recording matizing this my fellow my lad we we are going to talk. Who are, who are we going to be talking to? I've lost the Today, plot. we are chatting to Richard Legg. Oh, a lovely what a chat. Yep. Uh, bit, uh, as I, yes, as I was saying before you matize Jack, hijack matize this episode, um, it was what's, what Richard really talks about is, and sort of relates to last week, is that you can really go deep on understanding something, unpicking it, and making it really, really effective. So rather than going, oh, I could run a webinar, and oh, I could do maybe like a Jeff Walker-style product launch thing, or I could do it this way, I could do it that way, what what... Richard Lake's really good at is he's taken one thing, he's, he's decided, I'm going to make that thing work come hell or high water. That is exactly what I'm going to do. And he's made it work better than probably anybody else. Yeah, his business literally revolves around one automated webinar. And you're going to hear how he fuels it with traffic. You're going to hear how he refined it and got it better. You're going to hear how he works with his partners to get their promotions of it to work even better. It's really, really powerful. Now, even if you don't run webinars, this episode is absolutely it's just such a really, really good illustration of looking at the steps that Richard took in order to refine something and make it brilliant. So you could use probably that's pretty much that same process, whether you're running webinars or you're doing squeeze pages and upsells and doing a funnel type approach, you could still use that sort of way of unpicking things to, in order to make your thing perfect. So if you're using webinars, of course, you could use a very similar process to Richard. But either way, you're still going to get loads out of this. And it's really very cool. Let's find out what he had to say, Amatize. Hey, Richard, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Doing really well, thank you. Really excited to have you here. One of the things that people might know about you is that you've spent years and years and years making a great, great living, a really great business from just kind of one offer, but then you've kind of tweaked and refined the whole marketing process around it. 
And one of the main elements of this is this automated webinar that you've got. So um, we'd love to dive in and talk about how you've refined and uh, optimized and automated that process. Yeah. So what are your, uh, what are your key traffic sources that are actually getting you this consistent volume of quality traffic to actually make this work? What the, the biggest one outside of my own kind of traffic sources, because I have kind of this one main offer, but I will, that sells for, you know, higher, higher ticket price point. So naturally I promote to my existing customers, my existing subscribers. Um, so they get that too. But the, the, the biggest results outside of that have come from kind of joint venture partnerships and relationships with other marketers that I know. So they could be people who have their own products or services that they sell, but then they don't have anything to, to put on the back end of their product. So they might just have, you know, a $10, $50 product and that's kind of it. So my product then is like a $2,000 offer, pays like a thousand dollar commission. So for a lot of people, that's a, it's a great incentive to kind of plug that into the, to their marketing sequence. So that could be either from, putting a link on their download pages or throwing a couple of emails into their follow-up sequences. But yeah, the, the best source of traffic have been from those partners who have kind of built a relationship with. And the great thing is once those partners get some really good results, they're quite open to then telling other people that they know about it as well. So you kind of get a natural word of mouth spread. So you get more exposure that way. So I find that's typically a lot easier to, to sell to that kind of traffic compared to kind of cold traffic who's never heard of you. So even though these people who are attending the webinar may not have heard of me before that date, there is kind of some trust that's been built up with the, the other marketer. So the person whose product they've purchased, I get to kind of leverage some of that trust and leverage some of that relationship that they would have with their customer base. And so that makes it a lot easier for me to, to then kind of do the presentation and for the viewer to, to trust me as well. And then, you know, trust me enough to, to make that purchase. So yeah, so that's the, that's the biggest source of traffic is just building those relationships with other marketers, kind of leveraging those and kind of almost kind of stealing, if, if you can use that word, the, the, the trust that they've built up. Um, yeah. To help then generate trust for myself. So just to clarify, are you, t- so on the, say the download page for someone's product that they're already selling, are you going straight into pitching your product there or are you putting them onto a list and then nurturing and then still giving the commissions? Like what's the offer at that point? So the, the best results we found, we've tested a few different things is when somebody has a product, so it could be, you know, like a $10 digital download on the download page, we'd have kind of a, like say step one, register for your free bonus training, which is going to teach you X, Y, and Z. And then that would be a link to, to my automated webinar. And then below that would be step two, you know, download your original purchase. This gets a really high click-through rate because people, once they've purchased something, they'll go to the download page. And when you break it down into a step-by-step fashion, it's a, you kind of have to lead people to what you want them to do. So putting that as a step one, then they'll sign up for that and register it. And typically the automated webinar for kind of a paying customer like that, we'd have the webinar set to be tomorrow. Um, so obviously that's a rolling date, but whatever day they land on the page, the webinar is tomorrow. So that way they can register it immediately but then they can go back and then download their original purchase. And in the meantime, then I'll be sending some kind of emails to, to warm them up to what they're going to learn on the webinar and then getting them to attend that way. So that's kind of the best results. Other people might just put in an email in their follow-up sequence. So maybe after a couple of days, after someone purchases, then they'll get an email from that person recommending my webinar. So it's still typically coming from that person recommending it. And then once they sign up, obviously they'll get reminder emails and follow-up emails from myself. But it really helps to position it as being some kind of bonus training that the, the other marketer is providing to their customer. Cool. So I think that's really interesting, the idea of putting that as step one. So most people, I think, would probably have that as like a bonus further down on the page. So are there any keys that you found like that 
to help you kind of optimize the traffic campaign, driving people into those webinars from those affiliate funnels that gets even better results. I think the key really is just to test a bunch of different things because you never know what's going to work. But originally when we were trying this, we had people who would stick kind of a banner image onto their download page. And again, they'd stick it down below all the product links and whatever. So if you, you know, you've been online for a while, you've seen banners, you kind of get blind to them. So we're finding the click-through rates were, were pretty poor doing it that way. And also the placement wasn't great either. So the first thing we did was change the placement. So have a kind of a simple banner, but towards the top of the page that immediately increased kind of click-through rates. But then we also had our best partners, the ones who were kind of wanting to work with us a bit more, they would actually make that, take that banner, the text on it, but then they would put it into their page. So it was styled just like the rest of the content on their page. So it looks like it belongs there. The problem with banners is they can often, you know, they, they stand out as in, you know, they, they, they've been stuck there by somebody. Whereas if you can integrate it within context into the content and it looks like it belongs there, they're much more likely to, to read that and click on that and take that action. So it's just little things like that. There are other things as well we do where if somebody's sending through, through an email sequence, most of the, the email autoresponders would allow you to, to, to personalize the email. So you can put in you know, the first name tag and it will say, hey, Rob. But you can also do that with the email. So we can create the links so that the email is already added to the page. So that once somebody clicks through to register, they don't have to fill in their email address. They just have to cl- click the submit button. And so it's just kind of one little step to, to remove some friction. And you know, a few tweaks here and there, 10% here, 10% improvement there. And, and slowly but surely, you start to kind of to build up those, those big conversion increases. So, so, I mean, that's kind of some of the technical things. But one of the best ways to kind of optimize the campaign is making sure that the, the offer you're presenting is something that your market wants. So you want to make sure that you're, you're finding a, a problem that exists in the marketplace and you're presenting a solution to that rather than trying to design your own solution to a problem that's not really existing. And obviously, you know, general marketing is making sure that you're providing the, the benefits, not features. So really thinking, what is somebody going to get from this when they sign up and attend to it? I think I'm, I'm guilty of talking about all the stuff, all the great things that you know, something does. But ultimately, it's, it's what is the main benefit for the, for the user. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's a combination of the technical things to improve conversions, but also making sure your, your messaging is on point as well. Absolutely. And, and obviously, like no campaign no campaign is perfect like you're gonna have people who don't take the offer or don't show up to a a webinar or something like that and one of the things we're huge fans of i know you are too is sort of contingency marketing those kind of roots of what if people don't do these things and how do you deal with that so how do you deal with i'll give you sort of three examples and maybe you can give us some ideas around it so what contingency routes have you got in place for people who register but don't show up or people who show up but don't stick around and people who see the the pitch but actually leave without buying how do you deal with all of that bit yeah so the technology now today is is so much better when i than when i first started when i had to build everything from scratch in html Mm. it take me days to do it so yeah so with the webinar sequence basically the goal is to get someone to show up obviously stick around watch the whole thing see the pitch and then buy but that's only a very very small percentage of people who do that initially so for anybody who registers, they're going to get a follow-up sequence. It's, like you said, it's just going to pen, depend on what point they've got to in that sequence. So somebody who registers but doesn't show up after the, the live webinar, or I say the webinar time because it's not always a live webinar, but after their allotted webinar time, they're going to get the follow-up sequence. Initially, we're going to send them to the replay of the call, get them to, to watch the content, try and get engaged and excited about what they're seeing in the content. 
And obviously that has the pitch towards the end of it. So typically we might have a 72 hour window after a webinar where we then will kind of close the offer for that particular lead. So the first 24 to 36 hours, we'd send them to this replay so they can watch the whole thing and watch the content. The second half of that time, we're going to change it up and we send them to what I call a recap video. So this is a much shorter video. So rather than it being 60 minutes of content and then the pitch, we might spend five minutes covering over the key points of what they would have learned on the call or the replay and then kind of go into our solution, which helps address those. And, and that kind of really helps having that shorter recap towards the end because at that point, you kind of want them just to make a decision whether to, to buy or not. So they could still go back and watch the whole replay if they need to from the earlier emails. But because we're using scarcity and urgency in, in the, the sequence, we want them to make a decision. So it's easier to do that with a, with a shorter recap video. So that's for those who register but don't show up. And then next one, I think it was people who show up but don't stick around. Yeah, so again, we're going to send them to the replay first, even though they might have seen some of it. We want to have the have them give them the chance to watch the whole thing if they want to. And then, then also send them the the recap video. Sometimes that might be a bit earlier. Sometimes it depending on if we can segment on when they left, we might just send them to the to the recap as well. And then also sometimes we'll have kind of a PDF which kind of goes through. It's not quite a transcript, but it has some of the slides and then some of the key points as well. So we'll we'll send that out so people can go over that in their own time. And for someone who's kind of seen the the content already, they may not want to watch 60 minutes of the video again. So this is a good way for them to kind of skim through and say, "Oh yeah, I saw that, saw that. Okay, I didn't see this." But then there's also a link to the, to the recap as well. So they can do that. So typically both of those scenarios, they're going to be just a regular page with a video hosted on it. And we'll have a delayed buy button. So the buy button will only appear once the, the point of the video is reached where we start talking about our offer and, and what they can purchase. Because the last thing you want is to have a page with a video on it and then a buy button before they have been sold on it. It's just going to turn them off. So that's what we do for, for those two segments. And then finally, for people who have seen the pitch but they, they leave for whatever reason. Typically, we won't send them to the full replay. We just use the recap video. And then if we have kind of the PDF kind of cliff notes, we'll send them that as well. But on this page, we'll have the buy button instantly available because at this point, if they've already seen the pitch, they know what they're getting. They just haven't decided to invest in it yet. So you don't want to put any barriers between them being able to sign up. So we'll have that buy button available to them kind of almost immediately so they can sign up. Because sometimes they'll watch it and... You know, people sometimes need time to make a decision. They might watch the whole thing, think about it, might watch the whole replay, think about it, and then they're ready to make the decision. So you want them to be able to, to click that link without having to wait 60 minutes for the buy button shot. Mm, so very different routes depending on where they are, almost completely different pages with, like you say, really, really going after their needs. That's, that's really amazing. It's cool, man. So when it comes to tweaking a sales process, obviously if you want to make a tweak to a sales page, it's fairly easy. Just log in, change your word, and re-upload it, and you're done. Um, with a webinar, you know, the webinar content itself is a little bit more difficult to do. It's a bit more so, involved, isn't it? Yeah. What is it that you actually tweak the most or first to optimize sales when it comes to, because I'm guessing the webinar presentation now isn't identical to what it was, say, five years ago. So what do you tweak and the most and what do you tweak first when you're trying to refine the sales uh, conversion? Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of things you can test with this. And because it's for a webinar and selling like a $2,000 price point, it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to get set up tests where you get a statistically significant result because you know you could need hundreds of sales coming in different variations to see what kind of works well so the, the webinar presentation itself doesn't evolve as frequently as, as some of the other elements it, it will evolve over time and i have definitely evolved it but some of the things we will do look at changing is the actual process so one of the things we found was the, the webinar timings so originally when people 
would come to our registra- registration page, they could sign up for a webinar like one, two, or three days in the future. And one thing we found is then by changing the timing options available to them, for example, changing it so that the webinar was always going to be the next day rather than giving them an option two days out, we actually increased attendance by 25%. It's wow. quite a significant, significant margin. There are obviously other factors you need to take into account with that as well, but you know, 25% increase in attendance, we'll, we'll kind of take that. And then other things you can do is look at kind of the pre-webinar emails that you're sending out because these are all designed to get people on the call. So it's a lot easier to get numbers when you're looking at the number of attendees versus looking at the number of sales of a $2,000 product. So getting people registered, getting people attending, those are all kind of almost like micro conversions that are easy to get a lot of them. And then so when you're running a test, you get a, a really significant result like that. Yeah, the, so the webinar itself doesn't usually change too much. And typically you want to have a webinar that you know is going to convert well on a live one anyways. So if you're doing that, then you know the webinar kind of works. So it's, a lot of it is the rest of the process. Similarly, with like the post-webinar sequence, those emails, you can, you can test those very easily and see which ones are getting the most clicks and, and people watching the kind of replay and stuff. There's a lot of elements. You can test all of them, but it's about what's going to give you the, the quickest result and the, kind of the best return on your time. So you're not waiting years to get a, get a result on a changing the webinar presentation up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's an ever, ever learning process. We're all learning. We all, in our niches, are all different. And what converts works differently in each niche. So for you, which are some areas that maybe you'd overlooked a few years ago that you now sort of generate sales from? So one of the, the biggest ones we did actually was the, the replay versus the recap. Originally, I was always taught, you know, send to a replay, which we did. But then I found when I did a, a shorter recap, got a lot more engagement with people like that, and particularly towards the end of the kind of the follow-up sequence, people were, were responding better to that recap video. I mean, like I said, not everybody wants to watch 60 minutes before they can see the pitch. How much Sorry. shorter is a recap than a replay? It depends on how long the pitch needs to be in the webinar presentation. Yeah. But literally what I do is chop off the, the 60 minutes of content, as it were, that goes before the pitch. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do like a five-minute um, kind of summary of the main points learned and then transition into the pitch. So the pitch is pretty much the same length as what it would be in the live webinar presentation. And it's just the, the content that we're really, really condensing down into to kind of summarizing the key points. So if you've got a 30 minute pitch on the webinar that you do, then the recap video might be 35 minutes. So five minutes summarizing, 30 minutes back in the pitch. But often you can kind of shrink that down a bit as well. So 30 minutes would be kind of a recap video. One thing you touched on a bit earlier on was about the fact that, you know, you're probably going to have a fairly solid webinar once you've run it live a few times. What point kind of do you look at moving? Presumably, did you run yours live for a while first and then move to automated? And if you did, what, at what point did that happen? To be honest, I probably committed a kind of a sin in that I didn't do the live presentation first. I just went straight to automated. One of the reasons being that I was never really that confident on live webinars. I'm a bit, bit, bit better now than I was, but also like, Living in the UK with a US, primarily US audience, it means being up really, really late. And I don't like doing that. <laughs> I've got two young kids. They don't care if daddy's been up to 4am on a webinar. They're going to come bundling in at 6.30 or whatever it is in the morning. So I've done live webinars since. And that's obviously helpful to mainly for getting kind of the objections from, from people and getting the questions. Because you can kind of come up with the, what you think would be the main objections, the main questions people would have when they're kind of seeing one of these presentations. And you can put those into your, your automated webinar. But the experience you get from obviously interacting with real people on a live webinar is going to be invaluable in terms of finding out you know, what are the sticking points preventing them from, from making that purchase. And so doing the live one, you get a lot of feedback that way. And that's probably one of the other main areas where the, the automated presentation has evolved. 
So the presentation itself would be the same, but we want to make sure we're covering any of those objections either throughout the presentation, so kind of preempting them, or when we have kind of the Q&A that we'll go through towards the end, we'll make sure we're covering a lot more of those objections and getting people to, to feel comfortable that way. I just love the idea of one of the things you all want to know is why aren't more people buying my stuff at the end of my webinar or on my sales page or anything. And your solution's just so beautifully simple that I'd never thought about it. And I'm furious with myself. <laughs> you can probably tell from my voice because why don't you just run it live and take the questions and use those questions as your objections that you need to handle. And then you go and refine the rest of the sales process. That's absolute gold. I absolutely love that. So, my, my thing with running automated webinars is how do you feel about people knowing that they're not really live? Do you, what do you feel about the ethics of that? Do you want them to think that it's live? Are you sort of leading them down the garden path of it? Are you allowing them to assume that? Are you pretending it is live? Are you letting them know it's not live? Where do you sit on that? So I don't like the idea of saying it's live when it's not. That doesn't kind of sit right with me. But if someone's going to assume it's live, then, you know, I'm okay with that. And I'll be very, very careful not to kind of do anything that gives it away that it's, you know, it's not dated. So I won't say a particular day or a particular time that they're, they're viewing it. And so, so if they assume that it's live, that's fine with me because essentially the main thing for me is that I've got their attention. So I don't want to be sneaky and tell them it's live and they, they have to, to watch now. But the way the webinar software is set up, there's a particular time allotted to it. And I know for, for that 60, 90 minutes, whatever, I've, I've got their attention. And some people might think it's live, some people might not, but it really comes down to having their attention because if it's something where it's always available on demand, then chances are they're, they're never going to watch it. And one thing for me, like I'm a huge fan of the, the BBC show Top Gear. I used uh -huh. to be on like every Sunday, eight o'clock. So I'd be sitting down there watching it because I know that's when it's on. Right. And obviously now the, the, the guys have their show on Amazon now, which is on demand and available anytime. I can't remember the last time I watched it. Because when it's on demand, there's always something more urgent that's going to come up. So really with yeah, these, it's having their attention. Critical things take priority. You go, well, I've got, you know, it's my, it's my son and my daughter's thing at school and it's 8 p.m. on Tuesday. So I've got to be at that thing. Yeah. So I haven't, I won't make, I won't make the time to sit and do the, sit and watch the, the TV show or, or the webinar. No, absolutely. So just a quick question before we move on to the official next question, which is how do you position that? So what do you call it? Do you call it a web class? Do you call it, obviously you don't call it a live web training because it's not live. How do you position it? Just, you have to be a bit careful. It's kind of almost a gray area. So I'll just say, you know, show up to sign up for the webinar and show up on the call. And then, you know, I'm not saying anywhere that it's live, but if they assume it's live, that, that's fine. So yeah, it's, it's kind of that gray area. I'm not going to say this is a recorded video. You can leave it any time. And, and whatever, because that's going to give it away. That's not going to help conversions. So I think you just have to be careful with the language you use. And yeah, some people will assume that it's live. Others may realize, okay, it's a recorded webinar, but it's this time, so I have to watch it right now. Just and what kind about, of, you know, some of these automated webinar systems, only some of them allow you to do that sort of pretend chat, you know, where you can preload some apparent chat or attendee yeah. names. Attendee names. Do, how do you feel about that? I'll admit, when I first started out, I used those features. I don't anymore just because, yeah, I don't think it, it's, it's believable. I think a lot of people are aware of those software products and what they do, particularly in the kind of the marketing space. If you do that and someone sees you doing that, it almost, you lose credibility doing it. So I will have people who can submit their questions and I'll definitely try and follow up with them later on. And even when it comes to the Q&A within the webinar itself, I'll say, 
hey, these are some of the questions we've had on this presentation, let me answer them. And so someone assuming it's live will obviously then assume that they've had those questions coming in during the live call, but they're, they're still actual questions that people have submitted from watching that presentation. It just might've been from a previous session. It, yeah, it's again kind of the language you use where you can kind of that gray area between letting people assume it's live, but not actually claiming it is live. That's really cool. I bet on the journey, obviously you and I have known each other for a long time. On this journey that you've been on with this webinar campaign, I bet, but it wasn't always easy. I bet it didn't work the first time around. So what advice would you give to people who are struggling to get results with whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's a webinar campaign or something else, or maybe they're thinking of giving up? I think the best thing is just try and see it through and stick with it. There, It's so easy to get distracted online. It's something, you know, I've been doing this full time for I don't know, 10, 12 years now, and I still get distracted myself. But the biggest success that I've I've had have come from focusing on one project at a time and, and seeing it through to completion. And even if you're not getting the results that you want right away, you will probably be getting some kind of result, some kind of data from your efforts that you can look at and see where you can improve. So I think the only way you can really fail is if you give up. Um, but if you, if you keep trying, you're going to find a way to improve. Even if you're not getting the results you want, you can find a way to build on the results you are getting, however small they are. And, Again, like, it took me a long time to, to see any real success online. And I think once you can make your first dollar, that's a, it's a huge, huge turning point. And it, it makes it seem real. You kind of have a, you know, a new belief that this is possible. So for the longest time, I, I, you know, I didn't make any money online. About two years, it's, I made a grand total of about $100. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'm almost, I should probably just give up. But I don't know. I guess I wanted it so badly that I kind of stuck with it. You might see that as pig-headed um, mm-hmm. arrogance. But yeah, it was just a case of sticking with it and seeing it through and eventually you, you'll get there. It might take a long time, but as long as you keep moving forward one step at a time, you, you'll eventually get there. So let's get down to just some, some nitty-gritty stuff, the practicalities, the technicalities of this. Is we're going to run all these fabulous campaigns. We're going to use automated webinars. We're going to tweak them beyond beliefs on their conversion machines. But which technology or tools are you using that you would recommend for anybody wanting to do this? So for the automated webinars, the service I use is everwebinar.com. There, there are a few out there, and I admit I haven't tried all of them. I've only tried this one just because I've been uh, with this company. They had a previous one as well, so the previous version. Mm-hmm. I've, I've used that ever since the beginning, and it's always worked well. And I've kind of developed other stuff to work in tandem with it, so I've just stuck with it. So Ever, ever Webinar for running the automated webinars. For my email marketing, I use GetResponse. There are other ones, plenty of others out there, like Aweber, even Infusionsoft or Sendlane. But GetResponse, again, I've been with them since 2005. And yeah, there have been one or two bumps along the road, as with anything. Mm. But it's pretty much always been kind of taken care of really quickly and really quite professionally. So I've stuck with them. And they have a lot of automation stuff that I, that I can use in the business as well, which, which really helps when you're running these, these automated campaigns. Outside of that, then it's, I use tracking software to kind of keep an eye on things. The one I use is called AdTrax Gold. Again, it's, it's Jurassic in terms of the internet, but it's, it's been working for, for years. It works for me. So really, those are the main three kind of big tools outside, obviously, you know, domains and hosting or whatever. But yeah. the webinar for the automated webinars, get response for email marketing and then just tracking software. I love it. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to head into what we call the quick fire round. Sounds good. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Just a few quick questions, quick, short, sharp answers. First one, a book that you recommend. Uh, so for marketing, my favorite book 
it's not quite a marketing book even though it's influence by robert cialdini human psychology uh, i love that kind of stuff <laughs> sounds great uh, your top success habit whether that be daily or weekly i was trying to think what this could be but for me lately it's been just getting outside uh going for a walk there's a park near in my house so 20 minute 30 minute walk just getting outside away from the computer it's completely unproductive in the sense of getting stuff done on the computer but it's really, really helpful for just kind of letting those thoughts kind of percolate and organize and kind of clearing your head so yeah getting outside it, it's it's been really really good for me that's cool who do you look up to i think probably my granddad he's 80 something right now but for as long as i've known him he's eternally optimistic and happy and just jolly just one of these people that nothing ever really seems to phase him and he's just really really happy and content with his life so it's yeah it's something admirable i think and how do you define success for me it's more having the freedom to kind of do what i want when i want so business obviously is, is great because it generates an income, but that income is a means to an end in that it gives me the freedom to spend time with my kids. So I work from home, take the kids to school, drop them off, go to their sports days, you know, go to their different things and just kind of be there. So I can, it gives me the ability to, to be a dad. Uh, and that's kind of really what I want to do. Great. Okay. I'm nervous about the next question. Here's the big <laughs> question. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? Well, I think, I think I have to kind of cop out and give a very marketer's answer in that I don't have enough data. So I've met Rob in person, but I haven't met Kennedy. So I'd really have to have a kind of a split test. I have to meet you both for a point side by side and get some statistically significant data on, on that. So that until great. that, I'll hold judgment. That was a great answer. It was wrong, but it was a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Richard, where can folks go to find out more about you? All right. So I'm not really a huge kind of blogger or a person who creates a lot of videos and content like that. But I kind of prefer to be behind the scenes doing stuff. But kind of recently, I, I wrote a book that kind of outlines the process that I use kind of when I'm kind of building a business or, or working with clients and, and how I optimize and kind of grow other people's businesses. So if anyone wants to grab that, you can go to gethiddenprofits.com. That will redirect to a place where you can grab the book if you want. Yeah, and it kind of shows how I run my business, how I optimize things and how you can take those same ideas and apply them to kind of any kind of online business really. And just find those few key areas you can tweak and, and kind of yeah, increase your profits. I love it. And people can find the links to that and the full show notes if they go to blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero one five. There we go. Thank you so much for being our latest guest on the podcast and sharing so much. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks for having me on, guys. Background in the physics, you know. A background in the physics. Yeah, he's got a... A PhD. He's got a. He's got. He's a smart chap. So right. yeah, and there he goes. So yeah, really interesting stuff. Take it and start implementing it. I think it's really easy. Whatever your campaign is, you've got a squeeze page. Maybe you're driving traffic through it and some Facebook ads, and it's not working. And you go right, scrap this. We're gonna have to change entirely. And actually, that's just okay. Wait, that didn't work. Let's just refine it a little bit and try and find you know how we tweak it. Yeah, and like everything, there is a lot going on on these things. There's lots of little details that Richard talked about. I certainly don't want you to miss out on any of them. So we had Grace in the office write up the entire thing in the show notes, which you'll find over at blog.responsesuite.com slash 015. Other than that, dear listener, we will see you uh, next week, right back here, same time, same time, same place for next week's episode. Now, if you were thinking, oh, I wonder what these two handsome chaps probably look like, and they're probably handsome. Well, you're in luck. We started a YouTube channel, and if you're not already paying attention and subscribe to it, go over to the YouTube machine and search for Response Suite, all one word. You'll find that Rob and I sit in the studio and prat about, much like this, every single week for your attention and your entertainment, and, and of course, a bit of education advertising. And you'll get to find out that we do actually look like those cartoons. Gosh, we do, don't we? Mm. Lovely. We'll see you all next week. 
Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responseweek.com.